This is the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We are pleased to have you join us as we offer up God's Word as the necessary food for His people. The Word of God finds its fullest expression in the person of Jesus Christ. May He be exalted before you today. Now here is our speaker, Joel Van Hoogen. In Psalm 68, the nation of Israel is taught to remember God's salvation of the people from bondage in Egypt in song. They recall that they were once poor, rebellious slaves, yet God enriched them in deliverance. They were given a rich identity, and they were given a rich inheritance of wealth, and they were given a rich provision of peace. God did this for Israel, and He does it now for anyone who knows their spiritual bankruptcy and turns to Him for salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 9. 19 through 25, and let's read about this richness. Nehemiah 9, 19 through 25. The pillar of cloud did not depart from them by day. This is a picture of the nation of Israel as they're wandering through the wilderness. To lead them on the road, God expressed himself over them and he manifested himself by putting a pillar that would cloud them in the middle of the day so that they would not succumb to the heat of the wilderness sun. And at night, he put a fire over them so they had not be cold in the wilderness evenings. The pillar of cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way that they should go. You also gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. He provided everything, but even clothes that lasted. Those are tough skins. Remember those tough skins your parents used to give you, those jeans? Those are tough skins that he gave them. Moreover, you gave them kingdoms and nations and divided them into districts. He gave them order and a structure. So they took possession of the land of Sihon and the land of King Heshbon and the land of Og, the king of Bashan. You also multiplied their children as the stars of the heaven and brought them into the land which you had told their fathers to go in and possess. So the people went in and possessed land. You subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hands with their kings and the people of the land that they might go do with them as they wished. And they took strong cities and a rich land and possessed houses full of goods, cisterns that had already been dug, vineyards and olive groves and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and grew fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. What a provision! For poor slaves, how rich God had made them. Does the parallel hold true for the Christian? Has God given us anything? The Bible says He opens up to us the riches of heaven, that He secures for us the abundance of earth, that no longer do we live our lives trading in mud and straw. No longer is our life just somehow generated by the material things and our identity based around our material possessions because now having possessed all things because we possess the God who holds all things, we're rich. We can rest in Him and be comfortable in Him. You know, a person who needs to put on airs puts it on because he wants to show people he has things because he's not sure if he really has them. A person who has everything doesn't care. He can wear holy jeans and actually it becomes cool to wear. You know, it's the rich chic, right? We have everything. Philippians 4.19 My God will supply all your needs according to God's riches in Christ Jesus. 
Everything you need. Romans 8.32 speaks of having God given up His Son for us and it says, having given up His Son for our sins, how will He not with Him also freely give us all things? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. We're told that everything in all of creation has been put at our disposal by God Himself. It says here, all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All are yours. You are Christ and Christ is God's. How's that for a wealth to claim for yourself? Second Peter 1.3 There it says that God's divine power has given us all things that are necessary for life and godliness through our knowledge of Jesus Christ. All things, all things. Nothing is withheld. So this describes, in a sense, the resource, the provision God gives us here on earth. We go through this world. I, you know, the nation of Israel was still wandering through the wilderness for 40 years, but they were in possession of the God who held all things and had all they needed for them and would show them, listen, don't worry. Don't worry about your future. Don't worry where you're going. Don't worry how I'm going to establish you. I'm raining manna down on you right now. You see, I'm good for everything I'm promising you. I'm pouring out quail upon you. I'm good for what I'm promising you. Hey, I'm letting water gush from that rock in the middle of a wilderness because I'm good for what I promised you. And here on this earth, God is good for what He's promised us. And so He regularly demonstrates His provision for us day in and day out so that daily, if you pause to think about it, he loads you up with blessings. But actually, we're not even in the place of the ultimate reward. It's still coming. James 2, verse 5 says this. God has chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He has promised to those who love Him. We're rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom. What's this kingdom? Well, Romans eight seventeen puts it this way. If we are children, because we believe in Christ, we become children. It says this, because we are God's children through faith in Jesus Christ, we are then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together with Him. We're heirs of His. Think about it. There is a triumphant glory that is right now cascading down upon the Savior in heaven. And one day is going to be revealed before our eyes in a resplendent glory as waves and waves of His eternal riches are poured out upon Him and poured out from the throne. And what this verse says is that through Jesus Christ, I'm not just a recipient of a stream of that glory, but I'm placed centrally in Him as a co-heir with Him of all that glory. All of the wealth that Christ possesses in heaven is to be mine. All the glory that rains down upon Him, through Him rains down upon me. That's riches. That's glory. That is Him placing on me all of His righteousness and placing all of His righteousness in me and in the process placing upon me all of His wealth and all of His glory as well. And it's mine to come. And in this day and age, I live under the provision of His manna, His quails, His water, His daily loading up with benefits. Rich. What a provision for once poor enslaved rebels. I have a question for you. Are you living in that provision now?
Are you resting in it? In even the bleak days, are you trusting God that He is good to the promise? Are you holding on to Him as enough for the day as you wait for the endless days of triumph and rich glory yet ahead? Are you? That's our place, our position. The last thing He changes, their position from one of oppression to one of peace, even in a wilderness. It says here, when it was weary, your congregation dwelt in it or your flocks settled in the wilderness. Here's a picture of settled peace, of pastoral comforts for a flock that is well protected and comforted before in the presence of its good shepherd. Verse 13 is a difficult verse, but it kind of expands, I believe, on this notion. Here is a picture of the people that have been in battle and they come to the end of a battle and they're resting. And it says here, though you lie down among the sheepfolds, you will be like the wings of a dove covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold. There are various translations for this. There are various interpretations of what this verse means, but this is what I prefer. I prefer to see it as a picture of sheep resting in peace at the end of the battle and the parallel image that they share as they rest there in peace with their good shepherd, the peaceful image of a dove that is gilded in new wealth. God grants rest. God grants peace. God grants security. And with it, a glorious new identity for the poor. And so we rest in Him. We are His sheep. We are indwelt with the heavenly gentle dove of God's Holy Spirit living within and abiding within us. We are clothed in the rich gold of Christ's own glory and righteousness. And so, we can rest in the wilderness of this world and journey through with this new identity, with a new rich possession and a new position in Christ. Some years ago, I've told this story a number of times you might not have heard it, but a lot of you have. One of the very first times that we went down to Costa Rica, we were working, and one of the areas we worked in was in a, an area that was basically a city dump, along the city dump, and people lived by putting posts in the ground and building up little pieces of wood that they scavenged. And We were introduced to a woman that was a, a contact with one of the ladies in the church, and she lived with her four children in one of these shacks with just a little bit of tin and wood around it as poor and filthy and miserable living experiences you'll probably find anyone on the face of the earth. You can't really go any lower than where this lady was. Her husband had left her, left her with these four children. She would go out each day and she would follow behind food carts and when food would fall off the food carts, she would take it, put it in her pocket, she'd bring it home to feed her kids. She'd try to collect a little extra so she could sell it to different individuals so they could have a little money for a little milk or other objects and that's where she lived. Randy, a gentleman in our group that went down, was an advertising exec and he had a pretty nice house in British Columbia. Lived quite well. Randy was invited to go visit this young woman and she gave her life to the Lord Jesus. And Randy was plagued the rest of the week we were there by, he'd never seen such poverty, couldn't, couldn't explain it, couldn't understand it. It just ripped him up to think how poor this gal was. That he just was not willing to leave. We had a day off and the day off we were going to go and we were going to go off and see some of the sights, but Randy didn't want to go. He had arranged somebody to take him back to this gal. He wanted to see if he could find some way to help her somewhere. And he had means to help her. So he went and he found a translator. He went to this place and we didn't want him to do it. Randy, you know, look at, you know, if we do that, you know, you create a whole wave of people that might want to come and respond to this message because, 
you know, think about it. Hey, Randy, I want to receive Jesus too. You know, are you going to put a few hundred dollars in that lady's hand or a thousand bucks in her hand? Let me, hey, let me pray that prayer as well. And so Randy, don't, we don't want you doing it. Randy went anyhow. Didn't listen to us. He went and found this gal. Said, listen, I've been bothered every night. I've been praying for that God would provide for you. And I'm bothered by your condition. And I want to help you. I want to give you something. He kept trying to press on her. She kept refusing it. Finally, she said, what more can you give me? You've given me Jesus. He's forgiven me my sins. He's given me eternal life. What more can you give me than that? I have all that I need now that I have him. Who learned the big lesson? As Landy walked away with his pockets full of his cash, right? God gives us all things. He radically transforms our identity in him. Can you rest in that? Think about it. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. There may be some here who have still lingering in the bondage of Egypt, still lingering in their slavery, still lingering in the past identities. They just can't believe and they don't have a point of identity with the rich glory that God would give them. I would simply pray, dear Jesus, you would drive them out from their captive and their captains. Drive them to a place of faithful trust in Christ alone as Savior who sets the captives free. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, may God bless you.